0: to God uh, man we don't have to talk about this but and I, it's like ad nauseum for me but my life with God that song um, wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought different than we want but better and I just think in my own life oh uh, and I always I mean I was saved and loving the Lord from a very young age but my concept of life and life with God and what I needed was so off, man. Mm-hmm. And I spent so many years growing up feeling so angry and bitter with God, in my mind, for seemingly not giving me what I needed, what I thought I needed, for Him seemingly not coming through with all the things I decided equaled a good life, mm-hmm. right? Because unbeknownst to me, I, I, I took the gospel and thought, well, the gospel is gonna give me the things in the world that I've decided can give me a good life. And then every time I wouldn't get those things to go right, you end up having it out with God. Like, where is God? What's wrong with God? How come God's not giving me this? How come God's not giving me that? I've given, I've prayed, I've studied, I've read the Bible every night till I fall asleep. And it's like in that place of grappling with God, at least I I kept doing that with God instead of retracting in the bitterness of my heart. But it... It, it became so clear with God am i enough greg mm-hmm. right and he wasn't like trying to shame me but he was drawing a question out that clearly in my heart he wasn't enough mm-hmm. right he
1: just preached that in tulsa that was so yeah clear.
0: and the, 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 the first fe- the first body. feeling is upsetness right. where you are just like mm-hmm. no you ain't enough mm-hmm.
2: just like when yes. jacob uh, wrestled with the angel yeah. It He says the angel touched his hip. Well, if you know anything about wrestling, you know it's all about the hips. Is if you can control your other, the, your opponent's hips, then you can control him. He just touched his hip, and Jacob was no longer able to wrestle. Yeah. Out of his own strength. And yeah. He I, he was wrestling with God. So it's almost like uh, God lets you wrestle with him to the point where you realize I'm not going to wrestle anymore. Yeah.
0: And if you feel bitter or upset or confused, if you feel like your life is unsatisfactory, you might come to the place where you just admit that where you're at in your heart right now is that God is not enough. Mm -hmm. And you ought not be ashamed if that comes out, right? Because God's not ashamed if that's where you're at. And that's what's going on right and and from that from that place just being honest with god no you're not enough man it's not enough
1: or i'm afraid you won't be enough
0: yeah or for me it wasn't i was afraid he won't be enough Mm -hmm. for me it's like no clearly you ain't enough Mm -hmm. right because it's like a trick question for me like intellectually i know god's got to be more than enough right but here i am not feeling satisfied and so what that tells me (laughs) is that my heart believe somewhere that he isn't enough. My heart my heart has these compartments that are somehow blocked off from God, thinking God can't satisfy those places in my heart, that these things in the world are what's gonna be needed to satisfy these places in my heart, right? And, and through the course of all those things, they're idols really, through the course of all those idols you had set up in your life that you thought by you gaining something from the world that that was gonna satisfy that place in your heart, through all those moments where those idols get kicked over man you feel upset you feel lost you feel confused you know what i look back and see now about all those times where i felt lost confused angry i mean there was times where i was in the backyard cussing god and i tell you guys these stories and it it, i'm telling you over a span of years, and I'm concising it into 30 seconds. It's not like I'm outside cussing God, telling him his gospel sucks, and I don't want nothing to do with him anymore. And then immediately I was like, oh, I see the truth, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. There was like years of suffering after that. And what I, what I, it, during that time, it don't feel nice. And I promise you, you do not think life is being sorted out in you. But I look back now, and I see life was being sorted out in me. <laughs> Right. And so um, it's like the the guy said in the the parable with Abraham, the rich guy and Lazarus, man, let me come back from the dead and tell my brothers, because if uh, I can come back and tell them, they won't make the same mistake I made. Mm -hmm. Listen, let me tell if there's anybody watching this or anybody here that you're in the place where man, you're feeling bitter, you're feeling lost, you're feeling confused, you're feeling angry, you're feeling like unsatisfied, like God's not enough. Let me tell you as one who's come back from the dead, I've been there and I promise you, I was there for a long time. And now having come out of that place and being brought back from the dead, I can testify to all of you that you may think you're in a thick cloud of darkness and you can't see anything and you most certainly don't think God's there. Let me tell you the thick cloud of darkness that you think you're in, that is God with you. Go read the Old Testament. There's a whole lot of examples of God coming down in a thick cloud and enveloping the people and speaking. And God's not the darkness, but don't interpret that dark cloud that you think you're in for the absence of God or the absence of his hand upon your life or the absence of his hand unwinding everything that hurts you. And I wish I knew somebody that had come back from the dead like me that could have came and told me that when I was in that place thinking that all was lost. Man, all was not lost. God was working a far greater degree of glory than the vain glory that I thought I had lost out on. Because my whole view was, look at this great ability I have. Look at all these things I can do. Look at all this stuff I can gain. I mean, people can't do what I can do. And now this ability I have is going to be the power unto me being glorified in the earth. And then people will see how beautiful I am. And people will see how great I am. And people will see... How wonderful I am. And i thought that was the power on defining acceptance and love and joy. And then your heart even twists it up with the gospel. It'll be for the glory of the Lord. Come on, man. It wouldn't have been God's face on the box of Wheaties. It would have been mine. So whose glory was it really for? But man, listen, that lust, It will even twist God up in what you're lusting after. Right? It will even twist it up in what you're lusting after. But man, God loved my life so much. He saw that it was vanity that I was after. Even when I didn't see it was vanity. And even when I was begging and pleading with him to give me the vanity. And then cursing him and nailing him to a tree when he wouldn't give me the vanity that I was certain that I needed. I thank God that he loved me enough to let me nail him to the tree every day. Every day he came and met me. Every day he came back and let me nail him to the tree all over again. It's like you think you nail a guy to the tree one time, he ain't coming back, right? All right, off with him. Every day he came back and met me there in the garden of my heart, in the place where I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, wanting to nail him to a tree. Every day he came back and let me nail him to a tree and told me it's okay. Here I am.
2: You know, a thought related to God's not enough is I'm not enough. Yeah. And that's what I think most people feel. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they're connected, but because um, the world tells you what you have to do to measure up. Yeah. And religion tells you that you don't. Mm-hmm. And so, what else are you supposed to think except for what God can reveal to you?
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that He's enough, mm-hmm. right? To yeah. satisfy yeah. you. right you're you're enough to satisfy god because he doesn't require anything from you
2: well if you're convinced that he's enough and then you're convinced that you're one with him then you're convinced you're enough
0: yeah and that's Mm -hmm. the foundation for you to find everything you thought what you could gain from the world could give you yeah right you find it all in god and the more you're disappointed with the world the more you can be satisfied with god that's right Mm -hmm. it's actually a beautiful thing to be disappointed with the world yeah it don't feel nice in that moment it doesn't feel nice in that moment I mean, I, I was counseling a guy that was torn up about his dad and how his dad uh, failed him in his life. And I said, well, I mean, listen, man, your dad actually did you a favor because he, he persuaded you sooner than most people are persuaded that you couldn't get what you needed from him.
2: Right? <laughs>
0: and I said, that left you in the place where you could see you could only get it from God. I said, so rather rejoice that your dad had zero ability to give you anything because you could come to the place where you saw sooner that this guy can't give me the love I need. He can't give me the acceptance I need. I said, you ought to rather rejoice that he, come and he testified the gospel to you, that you need God. And boy, that's a hard saying for people when oh, yeah. you come and say that, but it's actually... Listen, you can always look at something, even neg- that's ne- negative seemingly on the surface. And if you look at it through the spirit of truth, you can even rejoice, yeah. right? You can even find great joy in that because everything will declare that the excellency that life is contained in is found in God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Everything you go through will con- will-, will declare that, yeah. right? right? And you can even find yourself looking back and rejoicing. Yeah. Some people can have a hard time if their parents, quote unquote, according to the world, were fantastic, Yeah, Because they find themselves leaning on their parents too much. They find themselves looking to their parents for life. Because their parents are freaking great. And their parents were kind and loving and did all these things. Right? And then you end up leaning on them, looking to them for the peace, looking to them for the joy, looking to them for the love. They're not God. I don't care how great they are. They're not God. And they can't be your God. Right? Right. And the greatest thing any parent could do for a child is to point them to God. And they don't just point you to God by them telling you with their mouth about God. A parent that failed you miserably, they're pointing you to God. Because they're telling you, I can't be the father of your life. That's still pointing you to God. Right? And so, man, don't get me wrong. I'm not indifferent to hurt and suffering and pain. And I'd rather your mom or your dad have been set free and not been tormented by death. Mm -hmm. But you can't look to somebody for life that needs life from somebody else themselves. And even in them failing and giving you what you needed, yeah. even in them failing you, they're declaring God. They're declaring to you that what you need is God. Yeah. They're still pointing you to God. Just like Thomas said, the world, the more you look to the world to find satisfaction, the more you look to the vainglory, do you know what it will keep pointing you to? That it can't give you what you after. And do you know what that keeps pointing you to? God. God.
2: Yeah. Even Jesus pointed to the father. That's right. He didn't point to himself. <laughs> that's right. Although he did say, if you don't believe in God, believe me. But he was saying, believe me what I'm saying about God. Yeah.
0: Believe what I'm revealing about God. Yeah. yeah, That's right. Paul would come and say that we have through whom we do have faith in God. Speaking of Jesus by beholding Jesus, that's what caused us to believe in God. Right. And so there's I mean, I know we live by signs. We, we love signs. Humans love signs. I mean, I mean, look just in this room. Look at all the signs. I mean, we love signs. We particularly like Cindy's signs. If, if only we could get the city to commission Cindy to make signs all over the city. But all over the city, we have speed limit signs, street signs, all those signs. Listen, man, what will happen is when you become caught up in the spirit of truth, you'll see that every sign is a sign that's pointing to salvation in God.
2: Everything. The, the, well, the human mind wants proof. Which is reasonable, but the carnal mind can't perceive truth. That's right. And proof. And so, by the spirit, we see the proof all around us, but the carnal mind, it's right in front of you you don't see it. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So, what do you guys want to talk about today? Well, I
1: think it's fascinating. There's so many things I want to say. The last thing you said about your parents, you know, the serpent wanted me to think that my parents abandoned me, you know, and that, look, you're alone in the world. But, that just pointed me to God more in my search for love and truth and mm-hmm. all of that through my whole life. So that was really good. And it also made me feel really good about the times when I was a really crappy parent, you know, because that's right. just pointing my kids to God. Yeah. <laughs> it, it I did a good job that. The time.
2: truth will let
0: everybody off yeah. the hook. That's yes. what it will come and do. The, the, the truth that's that's will that's remove that's offense that's off the from the heart. Because I promise you, when you think somebody's <laughs> failed your life, and you didn't get what you needed, or what you think you ought to have gotten, what's in your heart now is offense. Mm -hmm. You're offended. That's when you become offended. You stumble at the truth, right? And what the truth will come and do is let everybody off the hook. You, them, both people will be let off the hook, right? And listen, that's an offense to the carnal mind, because the carnal mind does not want to let people off the hook. And it's not because the person that's busy with the carnal mind is somehow a devil vampire person, They think the power to be protected from future pain is the offense. And so they feel the pain and their heart says, we will never let ourselves feel that again. And then what it does is it builds up a wall using the offense. And it perceives that should the offense be sent away, then we're just vulnerable again. We're just gonna get hurt again. I remember when the when God started tearing down my wall, the walls in my heart, tear down the wall. I had the Pink Floyd imagery, right, from the movie, Tear down the wall. Which is all about the walls in that dude's heart, right? And the walls he built up to save himself from the pain and the shame and the fear he felt should those walls come tumbling down. I remember my heart, what are we what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, it starts going, danger, 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 right? The walls are coming down, the, but these walls have protected us. No. no, they haven't. What they've done is taken the hurt and the pain and the things that torment you, and they built the wall around them and kept them in your heart. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't be plucked out and sent away. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I know that feeling because the heart's scared. The heart, man, the heart knows that it wasn't meant to feel pain. And the moment it does, the heart's like, this ain't right. Right? This ain't right. And if you don't know, most of us did not know enough about God the day we first encountered that kind of pain. We didn't know enough to go process with him. So then our hearts swooped into action and started building up things to protect us lest we feel that again, right? And what we don't realize is the way that shapes our lives going forward and the way it's served to it keep <laughs> repeating the pain. It keeps repeating the abuse. It abuses us over and over and over again. And our heart thinks this is the power to be saved. Right? And it's not. It's the power to keep your life under the reign of torment. Yeah. Right? And so, man, I, I looking back now, I can even see that clearly that when my heart was freaking out, like you no 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 no. What are you doing? And particularly when we started the church, what are you doing? Why why are you keep getting back up there and talking, dude? Remember how we feel? And it's like Dude, you do remember, that's PTSD. You remember that pain, and you remember that you'd rather die than feel that pain ever again. And so you're like, flight, right? Let me out of here. I can't take it. That's the heart, trying to save itself.
2: I'll testify to that. When I was a freshman in high school, I was pretty, I was called bookish. (laughs) Today you'd say nerdy. Mm. And uh, I had broken three toes playing uh, touch football, so I was walking with a limp. And it was homecoming, and uh, I didn't have a ride. I had a ride to the homecoming football game in a float, and I felt really nerdy having made the signs for the football players instead of being in the sport. (laughs) Anyway, I didn't arrange for a ride home, and nobody gave me a ride home. And I called my dad to pick me up, and he, he wouldn't come pick me up. So I had to walk a couple of miles with a bad foot, and I made that a vow. When you when you're hurt, you make a vow, and it's just like you said. I am never gonna depend on anybody again. That was a vow I made. I mean, I said it out loud as I was walking, yeah. and like then that you know that's that's that wall going up. It's yeah. like. I can't depend on my own father. I'm not going I'm never going to depend on my brother, my <coughs> friends, anybody. I'm never going to put myself in this position again. And you get that? You know, it's it's when you're in the most pain that you're the most vulnerable to a lie, yeah. of what you can do for yourself to to preserve yourself. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and really that's where Jesus was. He was the most you couldn't be more vulnerable than having just been stripped naked. Punched in the face, your <coughs> beard plucked out, thorns driven into your skull, scourged to the, almost to the point of death, which with probably your ribs and your vertebrae showing through your skin, uh, spit on, uh, humiliated. Can you be more vulnerable than that? And what I didn't what I didn't have a ride home. <laughs> I was feeling the way I was feeling because I didn't have a ride home. I <laughs> didn't think Jesus was feeling. <laughs> so this is just another example where we can look to the cross of what the solution is. It, it, it was like, uh, it's not that he didn't care what was happening to him. Yeah, he, he heard. He had a human body with nerve endings. He had no painkiller. Um okay. And he uh, had a level of faith in him by the Spirit to just trust his father that his father was not not gonna leave him that way
0: and what the Spirit did was the Spirit is the presence of the Father yeah and so what it does is, we're not gonna be left this way it gives you eyes to see the Father there with you yeah you see his face shining upon you you see you feel his hand Resting so it's just like her.
2: Jesus heard two voices. Yeah, one was where's your God I'm now? Sorry. And the other was was you know, The familiar voice of his father. Yeah, his we, face we, is not here. We, we're that. hearing two voices all all the, all the time right now Yeah, we're hearing two voices
0: and the the, the cross is a, a perfect picture of what's happening in our hearts in those moments Right, so you might you might be able to naturally look at those two instances Jesus on the cross and you being left at the, at the school Right. And you might think, look how far away they are. But really what you're experiencing in your heart was the exact same thing yeah. that was coming against Jesus yeah. on the cross. you said abandonment.
2: Same idea. It's like not worthy or important <clears throat> enough for someone to care for your life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and in that place, you 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 didn't know enough about God. To, and this is where we get it right. It's not that your heart doesn't need protection. It does. In the day your heart feels that, your heart knows it's under assault and it knows it needs protection. It knows it's it needs protection. And so that's still a righteous thought. Right. So it's not like you're going to get to the place where you're indifferent to hurt, and now you're going to use your ability to never feel hurt anymore, and that's going to be the power. No, that's still you trying to use your own ability. It, okay. It's normal for your heart to feel hurt. It's normal for your heart to want to be protected. It's normal for your heart desire to be protected. But the difference is the power undefined in your heart protected isn't in you doing things to keep yourself from ever being vulnerable. It's in you connecting with the Father right? And seeing that he is the power unto protecting my heart, not me keeping myself from the things in the world. I hate to break it to you. You cannot protect yourself by keeping yourself from the things in the world. You cannot protect your heart by keeping yourself from the people in the world. You cannot protect yourself by keeping yourself from the torment and the hurt and the pain in the world. That's a lie. That's a lie. God's the only one that can keep your heart. And the way he keeps your heart is he comes and meets you with you in the place where the hurt is coming against you and he connects with you in your heart. And out of that intimacy comes protection, right? Out of seeing the Father there with you, you feel protected, right? You feel guarded. You feel safe. And that's what Jesus knew. So we're all the same as Jesus. We felt an assault on our hearts, on our lives. We had a desire for our lives to be kept, for them to be protected. That's, and, the, that's and, the setting
2: of the table in the presence of your enemy. Yeah. Exactly.
0: We all have that same desire. The difference is the world taught us the way to be protected is in our own strength. Right? Build Jesus, a wall. Build, build a wall.
2: Or have a 401k or have a
0: gated community or have a gun in your car or
2: whatever. Whatever it
0: might be. Yeah. Whatever it is you need for comfort. Right? It's not that it's inherently evil to have any of those things. It's just those things can't give us the protection that our hearts are actually after. That's what I became persuaded of. That I was actually living my whole life trying to gather to myself the things that I thought could protect me, could establish. And one of the things that I thought could protect me is if I could establish a good reputation about myself, right? And the way I can establish a good reputation about myself, because that was what happened to me when I was a little kid. An assault came against my reputation, right? You're not as you ought to be. You're too intense. You're too much. It's not good for the rest of the people around you, right? You're causing great suffering and pain. So I wanted a good reputation. I wanted to be seen to be good. And so I started looking to the things in the world to where I can, if I can gather enough of them up, build myself a good reputation, then that will give me the protection. That will set me free from the assault, right, that came against me. That will be the power to combat that assault, right? It isn't true. It's a lie. And every single one of us is like that in some area where an assault is trying to come against our hearts. Our hearts had a normal feeling. Our hearts know we're not made for pain. Our hearts know we were created for comfort and peace. And re- I mean, we were created for the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Is there pain in the fruit of the Spirit? No. Is there torment in the fruit of the Spirit? Is there fear in the fruit of the Spirit? No. no. So in the day we feel those things, our hearts are like, we were not made for this. <laughs> we were not made for this. That's the nakedness being uncovered that the scriptures talk about. That's that's what's going on when you feel those emotions. Your nakedness is being uncovered, right? In your sight. And so we know. And now, what the gospel comes and does is it shows us as God, the lover of our lives, with us, right? In the midst of the hurt and the trauma with us not far from us because that's what the trauma tells you because in the place of trauma if you could see the father there with you i promise you you're going to be caught up in interacting with him instead of looking to your own ability to save yourself from the trauma right if you if you wouldn't have been so young and you had been known of the lord right you the second you felt abandoned you you could have connected with god and started just talking with god about the abandonment you felt well it's like the the kind mind
2: has almost everything backwards compared to the truth so the sign actually comes after the deliverance not before it yeah the sign is that you have the power of god insulating your heart in the midst of that otherwise desperate situation yeah that's the sign of his life yeah it comes after yeah yeah i mean because what as opposed to before we want a sign it's like uh, show me and i believe and god says well believe and i'll show you
0: yeah
2: believe and you'll see yeah because there he yeah. is already right <laughs> right <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I mean, he's not
0: hiding himself. No, no, yeah. no. It's through persuasion that you, your eyes see what's there. Right, yeah, right. all right? along. Yeah, all along. And that's what the gospel comes to do. You, you'll be amazed what you'll see after you be persuaded that it's there. Like, it's easy for me to see the Father now because I'm persuaded that he's there. And so now I see him everywhere I go. And I still have these moments with him. I mean... Like last week, right, Ronnie? I was out there having a moment with God. Same thing this morning. And for some reason now, the last couple of weeks, the moment I've been having with God was just kind of remembering how you're not enough. And the pain that I felt that that first thought, you know, but then the deliverance that came. And it's like, Tears of joy. It's like you remember the the negative emotion. It's like you're crying with God, but it's like filled with so much joy now because now you've been persuaded that he is enough. And you remember those moments that even when you were saying he's not enough, there he was, you know. And it's, Man, it's like a beautiful, sweet, sweet thing, you know. It's a beautiful, sweet moment. And he's different than I thought. He's different than I wanted. And you could look at that. I mean, that song speaks to so many volumes. In the, the Western church world, most of them want... God to come and kill the people they don't like.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. He, ain't, he ain't coming like that. He, he's not coming like that. He didn't come like that to begin with. Right? And Jesus would come and say, you don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah. The Son of Man does not come to destroy. He comes to save. Yeah. Right? Even I mean, we look at even just the way we interpret things. Different than we thought. Right? So even like, we, we talk about this all the time, but the flood of Noah's day. We look at that as if God was trying to destroy, right? But Peter come and explain that as saving, right? Yes. It's not a different God. It's the same God that did what he did to what? Save. Save what? His people. Save what? Creation. From what? Death and darkness. Cleansing it. Perfecting it from sin and death. That's what he was doing, right? But some people love the darkness more than the light. And they are already condemned. It's not that the flood condemned them. They were already condemned and they condemned themselves. And then there's God standing right there with them in the darkness, telling them, come out of the darkness. Come into this boat. I'm going to seal your life. I will preserve your life from the hell you see in this earth that you're trying to preserve yourself from. I see it. It grieves me. And I will preserve you from the hell that you're busy trying to preserve yourself from. Here's this boat I'm building. I'm going to cleanse this earth from death. Right, But they love the darkness more than the light. Right, And so they cowered mm-hmm. away from the light. <clears throat> Lest their works be reproved. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Lest it be revealed to them that their works are done. Yeah.
3: You know, it's something how in the midst of lack, it automatically puts us in this position of, of comparing ourselves amongst ourselves even the situation you talked about you know you, you wanted to you wanted to have this reputation so in order to have that reputation you started looking at people that had a good reputation and you saw what their life was producing so those were the things that you would try to gather to yourself instead of looking to see what it is that produced that we I think a lot of times we even, in, in the church, fall into that same trap. We will see someone whose relationship with God we have an admiration from. And we there's an admiration because we see these fruits and these signs and stuff that are flowing forth from their life. So instead of looking to what it is that's producing that in their life, we start trying to gather those things into ourselves. I mean, I know I'm guilty of this, and I, I would just Probably most of the people in this room are. We'll sit here and we'll listen to Greg, and we'll hear all this wisdom that comes pouring out of him, and we admire his relationship with God. And so we think, well, if I can just get what he's saying down on the inside of me, so that I can repeat it just like he repeats it, then I can, I, I can be like Greg. W W G D. Yeah. That do? <laughs> you know, and and, and this That's this really <laughs> I think this really come into focus. I mean when the last few weeks I've heard Greg say, you know, when it comes to Jesus operating in signs and wonders and stuff, it's it's not about the sign, it's like what was in his heart when that came forth? What was his thinking that brought that forth, you know? But yet we get caught up on what came forth. Yeah. And then judge ourselves. Yeah. By that. And everybody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what Greg would do? Yeah. And hopefully what people will get will take from Greg. Greg would cry out to God. Abba. So you could boil everything Greg's ever done. If there's any good thing that Greg ever did, you can boil it down to that one phrase. That I cried out to God. And I kept crying out to God. Repetitively. 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 Right? That's it. That's the only thing. Right? And my parents, according to the, the world, in the natural world, they're great parents right they are both of them laid down their lives for me what from mother's and father's day comes, i feel so weird because i feel like i'm saying the same thing about both of them but it's mother's day and it's father's day and i have this thing where i don't want them to feel like i'm just recycling what i said to the last one i know they don't care but that's what i'm thinking but at the end of it i marvel because i'm like but they both laid down their life for me and according to all the natural things the world would say you had great parents blah 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 Listen, them being great parents and doing all those things for me in the natural could not give me eternal life. And so if I really wanted to point to what my parents did that benefited my life is I always saw them looking to God always, right? Always. And that pointed me to God. That spoke a silent word, right? And so any, that's the, that's the greatest thing that they've done for my life is that they pointed me to God. And so what would Greg do? Greg would cry out, Abba. Greg would look to God and start getting it out with God, right? And even when I didn't know why, I don't even know why I started cussing God. I thank God that I had a close enough relationship with him that I did start cussing him Mm -hmm. and telling him what I thought and what I felt, right? Because even in that place, that's crying out Abba, Mm -hmm. right? Because we we only think crying out Abba is like some positive thing where you're, you know, Bless the Lord, all oh your soul. You know you know what I'm saying? Where you're yeah. just speaking well of the Lord. Man, crying out Abba is just intimate, intimacy with God. Most of us know here, because most of us have had a relationship where there can be a whole lot of intimacy where you ain't being real nice to each other.
2: <laughs> right? You know what I'm
0: saying? And I don't just mean like, you know, pa- I'm not talking about like sexual intimacy. I'm talking about passion. You could be having it out with each other. That's still passion. Right. Two people having it out with each other. Guess why they'd be having it out with each other? Passion. They're both passionate about it. Well, guess what's coming out? Your heart and the two hearts are connecting. So even in that place, man, I was still connecting with God. That was just the unconcealed heart that I had. What's that song? I don't remember the first parts of the lyrics. Sometimes I'm free. Sometimes I'm me. It was a commercial that they used to play like Mike. I want to be like Mike. I want to be, I want to be like Mike, like Mike. I want to be like Mike. It's a Michael Jordan commercial when Michael Jordan was like the man, right? And I, I can't remember if it was a McDonald's or a Gatorade. And it was a real catchy thing, but this thing swept over the earth, right? That I want to be like Mike, right? Because to Matt's point, you look at Mike and you're like, dang, my man.
3: winning winning winning
0: we all want to win man this dude's winning every situation he's winning nothing can stop him from winning you know and so you want to be like mike why do you even want to be like mike to begin with what is it that you see there the only reason why you would even say something like that is because you think there's something that he has that is the power under life And so, to Matt's point, yeah, that's how we end up comparing ourselves. We become convinced somebody has something that we need or that we want, right? And then we wrongly want to mimic what they do externally, right? And it is true. You find somebody that knows the Lord, they they do have what you want. But what they have is peace and love and joy, right? And it, it don't come from the external things you see me doing. I don't have peace and love and joy because I was out there singing praise and worship this morning when no one was around. That's not why I have peace and love and joy, right? That comes forth out of the peace and the love and <laughs> joy. And so you could look externally and start trying to mimic Greg. Let's see what Greg does. Let's how many. Well, how much time does Greg spend studying the Word? How much time does Greg spend praying? How much time does Greg spend teaching the Word? How much time does Greg spend in praise and worship? If I can get all those things down, then I can have what Greg has. That would be a lot, right? That would all be a lot, right? The only thing that you could find that you could see that, It's it's like I said about Jesus It's not what would Jesus do It's what did Jesus believe Right And that's why I try and talk
2: That was his doing
0: That was his doing That's why I try and talk about that Over and over and over again That's why If I look back on all the messages Mostly what I'm doing Is putting the heart of God Out in the open Over and over and over again Because I'm actually convinced That's the only needful thing Is for a person to encounter The heart of God I don't care what your situation is I don't care what you're going through What you need is encountering The heart of God And I don't care what kind of torment or what kind of fear you might be experiencing. The problem in that place is that there's a part of your heart that has not encountered God. And so what you're in need of is encountering God. right? And you have the Holy Spirit. Do you know why the Holy Spirit was poured out into you? It's not so you could perform signs and wonders. You might perform signs and wonders, but it's so that you could see God with you, so you could have an encounter with the Father. That's why the Holy Spirit was poured out on you, so you could have an encounter with the Father. Do you know why? Because the Father knows all you really need is an encounter with Him. He knows that too. And so the Holy Spirit, if you look in the Old Testament, it's widely known as the presence of God,
3: right.
0: the theophany of God. It is the presence of God. Well, the presence of God is not like the great and powerful ox. The presence of God is Abba! And so that's why the Holy Spirit was poured out so that our blindness could be healed and we could be comforted by the presence of the Father there with us. And then through the course of walking with the Father, always seeing the Father, connecting with the Father, when those places in our hearts that have been compartmentalized and filled with hurt and torment and fear and shame, man, the Father will start shining a light in there. And that will start coming out of you towards him and you'll find yourself delivered. Mm -hmm. Right? It's really that simple. Jesus came to show you the Father. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh to show you the Father. The Holy Spirit's called the Comforter because when you see the Father with you, you'll be comforted. Jesus saw the Father there with him on the cross. That comforted him. That's the only thing that can actually comfort our flesh. It's the only thing that can actually put our flesh to rest. I know. I've done everything under the sun to try to comfort my flesh and put my flesh to rest. What you don't understand about the flesh is it can't be comforted from the outside in. It's got to be comforted from the inside out. And the more things I did externally to try to comfort it, those external things could not get up in my heart and change what was in my heart that was subverting my flesh. And so, man, the heart needs a revelation of the presence of the Father. Right? And that's why the Holy Spirit was given. And you could just start talking with the Holy Spirit about that. And like we said the other day, that's praying in the name of Jesus. We'd all be better served if we stopped praying for all these different things. And I don't say you can, I pray for a lot of things. But we'd be better served when we think about praying in the name of Jesus if we start talking about to God about, I want to see you. Mm-hmm. And you can turn that see into no. I want to know that you're with me. Lord. There's a lot of things going on in my life. There's a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of different ideas I have about what could fix it all. But listen, there's something I I just know that what I really need is I need to know you're here. I need to see you here with me. Right? And you're praying in the name of Jesus. You're praying according to the will of God. When God found Adam, he wasn't like, listen, dude, yeah, I mean, I could see you're really afraid and we we could tweak this and we can do that. And, you know, you might be able to plant some roses over here and you could go build a house over there and those things will make you feel better and you can have a shelter. That's not what God saw. God saw what Adam needed was he needed to see that God was there with him to father his life. That's what he needed to see. And that's why God showed up and clothed Adam. He first drew a contradiction because Adam thought God uncovered his nakedness. Well, you can't connect with somebody as father or comforter if you think they're the one that uncovered your nakedness, Mm -hmm. if they're the one that subjected you to open shame. So what God first does, comes and says, is who told you you were naked? I see you're running and hiding from me as if I'm the one that uncovered your nakedness. Who told you you were naked? And then after he draws that contradiction, what does he do? He clothes him. Right? Right. Why did he clothe him? Because he saw what Adam needed was a revelation that he's there of his presence. And that's why he clothed him. Right? That's what we all need. That's what we all need. It's not just talking about literal nakedness. Yes, Adam, I believe, was literally naked if you wanted to press me on it. But if you want to argue about whether it was literal or whether it was analogous, you're having the wrong argument. (laughs) What I found in the church is we have the wrong argument all the time. We want to argue about, is it seven literal days, or is the earth billions of years old? Who cares, man? You're having the wrong argument. Do you think time looks different to somebody who's outside of time than it looks to people who are inside of time? Have you heard of something called the elasticity of time? Is it possible that it's both seven literal days because it's seven literal days to God, and that could be hundreds of thousands or millions of years to humans? But let's argue about that. Because we, the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, Jared and I were talking about this at the game. We want to argue about whether it's okay to say a cuss word. I'm like, that's the wrong argument, dude. <laughs> all right. I mean, if we think life is found in whether we cuss, we're missing it. If we think life is found in not cussing, we're missing it. Right? I'll become all things to all people that I might win the more, right? That I might not corrupt their conscience. So if I'm in a, a church setting with a bunch of church going people, they don't want to hear no cuss words. Right? that's just where they're at. There's that's nothing evil about that. But if I'm out on the streets hanging out with people, listen, I promise you, they'll hear what I say more if I'm talking like a sailor, cussing like a sailor, because immediately they won't feel ashamed in my presence, right? right? Yeah. Whereas they could as a man of God, <coughs> right? We got to act right. You break down the walls. That's what we need, a revelation of the Father. Everything is wrapped around that. That's what Jesus had. Mm-hmm. And as he walked in the world, encountering pain and suffering, what he had was a trump card. The Father is with me, even in me, and I'm in him, right? The Father has hedged me about with his life, right? Every time he encountered something in the world that told him life was distant from him, he had the Father right there in his midst preparing a table for him. He saw there was a table of life right there, right? So the world comes and tells me I'm hungry. Well, here's the Father right here feeding me the bread of life and he had that that's what he engaged with and the whole gospel is about connecting us with that that's why satan had nothing in him that's why satan had nothing in him and if we get connected with that we'll start finding abundance born in us because every time we're pressed in on by lack we'll find ourselves connecting with the father right whether we might it might look like being angry with the father at first because somebody did something to you it might you might find crying with the father because someone hurt you or rejected you Right, it, it might be something like that, but then you connect with God and your hearts connect with God. And next thing you know, abundance comes out and that Psalm 23 will become born in you, right? Where you see my cup runneth over. I promise you, man, if you see the father there with you, you will not say your, ca- your cup is half empty. You will not say it's half full. You'll say my cup runneth over. Mm. That, all that, my, I, I mean, probably most people would agree if they believe their cup runneth over that everything would be okay. If you believed your cup runneth over, you would think everything was okay. Well, yes. this is one thing I know. If you see the Father there with you, your cup will run over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll be persuaded that it runneth over.
3: Right?
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. He is so
3: much that he is. <laughs> it will cause you when somebody asks for your coat to go give them your cloak, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If your cup runneth over. That's it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love how the Spirit works because we were talking when I walked in, I wasn't sure how it all started. But during ladies Bible study, you know, we had come to the place where we could admit that sometimes we think God isn't enough. Are you going to be enough for me? So even in our, even in maybe things that have happened or happening or in our imagination of what could happen, we start, our minds start going and we get fearful and I don't want that to happen and it all, you know, we could come to that place where, you know, that's what we're really admitting is, I don't think you're enough in this situation. And I'll start with, we we went over your message, freedom, the one with (laughs) many E's. not too long ago. Braveheart. Yeah, Braveheart. And um, in the car on the way to Bible study, I was listening to it. And it, you know, something really connected for me in that we're always talking about how um it's the fear of death everything that we're going through is really it goes back to the root of the fear of death yeah and for a while now i've been like well i'm not afraid of dying so what does i don't i don't get that it wasn't connecting until you said the fear of death is thinking that we are separated from what we need to have love peace and joy yeah. so it's that separation it's it's not so much maybe i i don't know I won't speak for everyone here, but, you know, I'm not afraid to die. I I know what's going to happen, so it couldn't, I was never connecting every time we say, what you're going through is really the fruit of death. It's (laughs) like, but I'm not afraid to die, and I know God is with me, (laughs) but it's that fear of separation, you know, that you're going to be separated from the good thing you need to have. Love, joy, peace. Yeah. You know, in that situation. So that was like, Somehow that was really connected for me, yeah. you know, made sense to me and it helped me a lot. And so that conversation just kind of continued from there yeah. and I was being able to share. So, hey, I didn't tell him anything. I know. I know. It sounded like he was there with us. I, I know. know. He was there with us. And what, like
0: it's, inter- it's, it's interesting what you say there though, right? And I think a lot of Christians are that way. I'm not afraid of dying. Well, there's a reason why you're not afraid of physically dying. Some people are. And so it's not that you eliminate that. But for you and for a lot of Christians, I think they feel persuaded, right? That, well, I'm good because they only think about it there. But what you want to cross over is that same thing that you're not afraid of dying there. Why aren't you afraid of dying there? That can become and be born over here because not feeling peace is dying. Yeah. And so, you would want that same thing that caused you not to be over afraid over here if you die to be born over here when you don't feel peace. Right. Where all of a sudden you're not afraid when you don't feel peace. You're not tormented when you don't feel peace. You're not ashamed when you don't feel peace. Why not? The same reason why you're not afraid if you physically die over here. Because you know life will swallow death. And so, you know peace will swallow torment. You know peace will swallow uh, stress. And your mind becomes filled with that the resurrection. It's the same kind of thing. The fruit of the Spirit enveloping inside of you is the power of the resurrection. And we get so confused to think if we feel tormented that all of a sudden the the fruit of the Spirit isn't there. As if the fruit of the Spirit, in order for it to be there, must always just be there. And if I ever don't feel love, that means the fruit of the Spirit isn't there. No, what it means is there's about to be a resurrection of love inside of you. The life that you have in God is about to stand up inside of you. Mm. Right? And that's what, that's what the gospel will come to persuade you I'm of. Sure. Right? Now, love's coming. Right? And you, you start connecting with that. And this, so then the next time you don't feel peace, you're not like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, you're, you're not confused. You're thinking of the life that's inside of you that's about to resurrect some love. Yes. Hallelujah. Right? And then you'll find yourself talking with God about how great this life is and how this life stands up love inside of me. Mm. Right? And the next thing you know, you're filled with boldness. Mm. Right? Yeah. Instead of confusion and distrust. And nobody likes feeling torment, but you can get to the place where your mind becomes so filled with the resurrection that's about to swallow the torment that you feel that the torment gets real shrunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The torment gets big because we look at the torment as if it's a sign that life isn't present there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But like Annette said, most everybody in here would probably say, "You know what? Well, who cares if I die? I'll be with the Lord." Right. But in the day we don't have peace. Oh my God. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's
0: right. <laughs> right. In the day we feel a oh gosh. You know, it's like, it's the end of the world, you know?
1: But well, we gotta walk home because we didn't get it right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it's it's interesting uh the way that you say that, but it's like I love what Gwen, Gwen said something similar in one of her messages where you know her her first husband uh passed away, right? And she was still One foot into this, we're going to work a miracle, right? And then she had one foot out of we're going to work a miracle. That's the knowledge of good and evil. No, but we got to work a miracle because it's not right that he should die. And she was in the middle of that, and she she saw that was wrong, and she walked out of it, and um, she still had some things in her heart that had to be unwound, and she finally came to the place where she just told God, I don't trust you. That's a beautiful thing that that woman said when she said that. Because you, you almost feel ashamed that you don't trust God because you're supposed to. Right. And if you're going to be a good Christian, you should be trusting God. And if you don't trust God, there's something wrong with you. Right? And that's the knowledge of good and evil trying to even keep you from going to the one you're supposed to go to if you don't trust him.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? I mean, he wants you to come tell him that. He wants you to come out with it. And so, man, when she finally just told him, I don't trust you. Antonio died. I don't trust you. I can't trust you and it's the same kind of thing am I enough no you're not enough and what I didn't realize is that vain glory I was after from the world to fix my reputation it even tried to creep into the church here because when the first start, the church first started and no one liked how I talked and no one wanted you know ah, I felt all that rejection again and I remember getting with God And I mean, God was getting at the heart. I was even trying to use the church and ministry to develop a good reputation for myself. Because if I can preach real good and I can do all these mighty things, then that will create a good reputation for myself. And I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't realize I was after ministry still with that same thing. If I can do this good, then that will clear up my name for everyone. Mm -hmm. That will clear up my name. But then the more I did ministry, the more that would happen. My name was not being cleared up. In fact, my name was being slandered worse than it ever was before. Then my heart was like, get you up out of this place. Right? Let's go back to where we were. At least we were happy. The hell we were happy. (laughs) We were isolated and alone. And we put ourselves in a corner so we could never feel pain again. And that was keeping us from enjoying ourselves. Enjoying life, enjoying people. I remember God told me real clearly one day, Greg. What if no one understands you? It was the same kind of thing. He came at it from a different what if no one ever understands you, Greg? What if no one comes? What if you never see anything? What if you're dead hundreds of years before somebody finds your video on YouTube and thinks, my goodness, because in my mind, we're gonna have a Bible college, we're gonna have all these things because I could see the beauty of this truth. And the truth was beautiful. And this truth could give birth to a bunch of things. But as I, I was still looking at what this truth can give birth to in the natural realm that can then declare I have a good reputation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What if no what if what if 200 years goes by and you're long dead and somebody hears your videos and they do a Bible college. Am I enough, Greg? <laughs> oh. Because then what comes out in that moment is real clear. You ain't. You ain't enough. You know, and then your, your chin starts because <laughs> you're crying, right? Yeah. That's a different kind of fear and trembling. Because you spent your whole life loving the Lord, right? You, you have. It's just you're a you're a man. And, and there's places in your hearts that have come under assault that are weak. The flesh is weak. And so you're in that place where you've wanted your whole life to the, for God to be enough, and here you are confronted with you're an adult. You've even started a church now. And you're you know, you're not enough. Oh man. But that was the foundation for beauty. That's intimacy. See, that was intimacy. Intimacy don't just look like you're enamored with each other. Intimacy, like I said, could just be passion coming together, whether it be hurt, whether it be joy, whether it be pain, whether it be anger. Intimacy is connecting. And out of that intimacy came forth abundance. Right? And so that's why we just want to put the, the heart of the Father on display. We want to sprinkle people's hearts, right? With the washing of the word, with the water. That's the new heart. The new heart is a heart where the image of God hasn't been marred in it. The image of God hasn't been defiled, right? By all the things and the trauma in the world, which is what sin wants to come and do. There's God's image standing there and sin wants to come. Sin produces death and tribulation in the earth all around you. And then every time you encounter trauma in the world, it wants to strike a blow to the face of God in your heart. And where it says, uh, and you shall walk by my statutes,
2: uh, in Ezekiel, yeah. where it talks about yeah. in your heart. What that means is you're gonna walk by the law of the, of the spirit, which means you're gonna you're gonna walk by faith. Yeah. Not, you're, <laughs> not, not you're gonna keep all these rules.
0: No, and, and the statute and judgments to connect to Deuteronomy, is to have one God, the Lord your God, and not have any other gods. And so God sees the way for you not to have any other gods. For me, running was like a God. Building a ministry was like a God. All these things were gods. I had other gods. I was looking to other things for the contentment and the satisfaction that I needed other than the Lord my God. I still had some areas in my heart where he was marred. Right, And what he did was he cleansed his image in my heart, and that brought something forth in me where I cr- started crying out, Abba, in the day I was tormented. That's walking in the statutes and judgments of God. That in the day you encounter trauma, in the day you encounter hell, you you looking to Abba. Abba! right, And you're now connecting with him, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly. You're now out with it with him. That's walking in the statutes and judgments of God. And out of that place, you'll find... Uh, Like it says in uh, Deuteronomy, you'll find vineyards of fruit that you didn't plant. You'll find a building or a protection or a clothing that's now clothed you that you didn't gain yourself or build yourself. You'll find a shelter, right? The shelter of the most high. And you'll find yourself dwelling in the shadow of the most high out of that. Right. But that's the whole deal. He wants to walk in the statute of judgment of God is to cry out Abba. And the only way you cry out Abba is if you see him there with you and not just seeing him there with you. But you got to see that he's not an abusive father, a deadbeat dad. You've got to see him clearly. That's the new heart. That's the washing of the word. That's why it says a heart that is kindred with my own heart. That's the heart of flesh, not a heart of stone, right? Sin hardens our heart. The way it hardens our heart is it mars the image of God in our presence, right? right? And then our hearts become hardened, meaning we're not giving ourselves over into the arms of God. You can tell when a woman's heart's been hardened, right? She ain't just giving herself over into her arms. You can feel it, right? And why? Because her heart is hard on account of her not trusting you. And now, because her heart's been hardened by the assault that her heart has suffered in your hands, she's hardened her heart to you. That's the hard heart. Your heart's hardened to God. The reason your heart's hardened to God is because sin has come and marred the image of God in your heart. That created a picture of God in your heart to where you can't give your life over into his arms. It's impossible because you don't think he can only ever be good to you. You don't think he actually can give you what you need. You think he comes behind in certain areas that you need. And so now your heart's hard to him. It's hardened to his love. It's pushing back against it. You see that dynamic in a relationship. Where if a person doesn't trust the other one, their heart grows hard. i got to protect myself. Right? That's what Ezekiel's talking about. That's the new heart. That's the sprinkling. That's the washing of the water. That's the heart of stone. It's a hard heart. It's a heart that's been hardened to God on account of the image of God being defiled in the earth or defiled in your presence, right? Adam would have had a hard heart, a stony heart. When he saw his nakedness, he had an image of God, that God was the one that uncovered his nakedness. He didn't think that he could come to God to be clothed, and so he didn't. Well, then God gave Adam a new heart. He sprinkled it. He washed it clean. Do you know how God did that? He showed up and clothed him right in the middle of Adam's shame. He healed his shame. (laughs)